Thanks, Kay. That's great. Good morning, everyone. And good morning to all those listening on the radio on T102. Glad to have you with us this morning. Hope you enjoy the service. Just a couple announcements before I start or before we start the service. Today in the church service here in just a few moments, Shannon Rediger will be sharing some information on her upcoming trip to India. This is a three-month internship for a non-profit organization called Rescue Pink. Uh, the blue jugs are out for you to make contributions for her. They'll be out. That blue jug will be here today. It'll also be here next Sunday. But if you're unable to get to the blue jug and you hear us on the radio, just please send your support to the church office and they will get it to her. But she'll be coming up in just a few minutes. Also, there is a typo in the bulletin. Uh, the New Knoxville Historical Society is not open today. This is the fifth Sunday of, of the month rather than the fourth. They were open last Sunday. So they won't be open now until sometime the fourth Sunday in August. And I'm sorry, I don't have the date. But don't go there today because there's no one there. Okay, if you would then, please join me in the call to worship. If you would all rise. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely, they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but with their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul will find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him for all times you be Pour out your hearts to Him. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hopes in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unveiled on all, and in your reward to everyone, according to what he has done. Okay, please remain standing and turn to hymn number 404, that's in the blue hymnal, The Solid Rock. Thank you. 
Okay, while the children come forward, uh, take a moment, greet your neighbors. I'm looking for Maria. I don't see her. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. How many of you will be going to the fair this week? Oh, you went to the state I, fair? I went, I went on a parade. I passed out sunglasses and Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I'm sure, I know that's a, a big thing around here. I'm sure a lot of families and, and I know some of the older kids are going to be doing a lot at the fair this week. So we can pray that everything goes well and there's a lot of safety there and, and there's no issues at the fair and that everybody has a really good time. But I want to talk about something else today. I know a lot of those kids put in a lot of hard work to get to that point. They raise animals, they, they work on other projects, and the fair is kind of the big time where they get to show all of that off. What's the hardest thing you guys ever done or what's the most hard work you've ever put into something? You guys ever made anything or helped your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa make something that you were proud of? Oh, picking up the house by yourself. That is perfect. I love that my daughter answered that one. That was great. <laughs> Have you guys ever done anything like even like baked cookies or helped mom and dad make dinner, do anything like that? We made cookies. You made cookies last night? Perfect. Well, that is a good example. How, what goes into making cookies? Can you just like show up and do whatever you want? No, what, what go, you were really excited about that. What goes into making cookies? Usually, like one, but no, I think that's why You need some butter, yeah. Sugar, definitely you need the sugar. And eggs, yeah. Yeah, those are all good ingredients for, for making cookies. But when you make cookies or make dinner or some of these, you know, bigger projects that these kids are going to be showing off at fair, like raising animals or, or stuff like that, you can't really just do it however you want. you got to work towards it and, and do it in a way that, that makes sense. When you bake cookies, you've got to follow the directions, right? When you raise animals, you've got to work hard and you've got to take care of them for a long time until it comes time for fair. Well, I want to encourage you guys. There's a lot of things in life as you guys get older and even now as you guys have some responsibilities at home or at school. Uh, you got to work towards it. you got to work hard. And it's not always going to be easy, and you're not always going to want to do it. But you know what? It's going to be good to work hard and to make the decision to, to put in what's necessary to make it happen. Because you can't have a clean house. You can't have delicious cookies. And, and these kids that are at the fair this week, they're not going to be able to get to that point if you don't put the work in and, and, and work hard to do it. Because, you know, when you work hard, that honors that honors God and that honors uh, honors what you're working on. And so I want to close with a chance to pray for all those that are going to be at fair this week and thank God for all the hard work that they've put in and the effort that they've made this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for, for fair week and, and thank you for all of the effort and the work that went into to that this year. Um, Lord, it's, it's an exciting time and it's a fun time. Uh, but Lord, we, we know there was a lot that went into it. And so we thank you for the hard work that was done. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity for these kids to do that. And I pray, Lord, that through their, their time at the fair, um, they would, uh, it would honor you with what they do. Um, Lord, we pray that you would keep them safe and, uh, that everyone would have an enjoyable time there. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks guys. You can go find your seats.
killed in the last week in Oceanside, California, near Camp Pendleton, Navy Corpsman HM3 Devon Rideout, 24. She was from Sacramento, California. Thank you, Jay. This time I'll invite Shannon to come on up. As Dennis mentioned during our announcements, uh, Shannon's here to share about uh, her work in India this fall. We're very excited to hear from her. Um, she's a very familiar face uh, to, to you. She grew up here, and, and she's one of her own, and it's exciting to hear what God is doing in and through her and uh, as he's done with the world race in the past and what he's going to be doing this fall in India and hopefully for other exciting opportunities in years to come. So uh, we want to give Shannon a few minutes to just give you all an update, and then after she's done, I'm going to kind of fill you in on how you can, as a church, help support her as well. Shannon? Good morning, everyone. It's such an honor to stand up here and share about what I'm going to be doing next. Uh, It seems just like yesterday that I got home from the world race, but it's actually been eight months now. Um, And that has been a life-changing experience, just to say the least, of what um, God did in my life and the other 40 people that went with me. Um, (laughs) Um, This is actually um, an Indian kurta. Um, I wore this on the world race, and uh, I wore this almost every day. Um, This is a traditional outfit there in India, also with leggings. Um, Fun fact, actually, in church, they also wear a scarf over their head. They're not allowed to show any of their hair and any of their face. Um, But anyways, I will share a little bit about my trip now. Um, So coming home from the world race... um, I still had a passion to do missions. Um, Month two of the world race, it was something that I felt God was placing on my heart. But being month two in the race and knowing that I had nine more months on the world race, I laughed. I was like, I have nine more months. I couldn't imagine that I would possibly want to do more missions after serving for a year. But God just kept igniting that flame for missions in my heart. And so... um, When I came home, I was originally planning to be a mentor with Adventures and Missions with their program called Gap Year, which is nine months for 18 to 21-year-olds. And um, I went through the process, really felt that that's what the Lord was leading me to do, but um, it didn't happen. I went through the process and got told no, and I was really shooken. I didn't understand why God would place that desire in my heart just to be told no. Um, So I kept praying, just asking God, like, what does this season look like for me? What do you want me to do next? So after looking, I decided that I wanted to give it some time and then attend a Ventures and Missions Leadership course called CGA in March of 2019. I realized that this was quite a bit of time, so I reached out to my previous world race host in India and asked if she had any short-term mission trips that I could attend. She surprised me by asking me if I would be interested in a three- to four-month internship with her nonprofit called Rescue Pink. She shared that there was a current intern who was currently working on writing a curriculum for their after-school program for the girls. They had just started praying for another person to join that intern two days ago. I didn't understand why God had said no to Gap Year at the time, but it slowly started making sense to me. The moment that the internship was offered to me, I felt that God was calling to me, calling me to that, 
But I spent some time in prayer, and he confirmed that that's what he wanted me to do. So now I'd like to share a story with you. So during my time on the world race, um, I was conducting interviews almost every morning, and then the afternoons I would help out with the after-school program. But these would be for sponsors back home and to find other sponsors to sponsor these women. So here's a story about B. B is 22 years old and has been married to her husband for eight years. Her husband is 48 years old and he was married previously. He is an auto driver and they both are uneducated. Together they have two daughters, Bargavi, who is seven years old in the first standard at government school, and Kumari, who is four years old, attending LKG, which is a primary school, kind of like preschool. She was pressured to have a boy child by her husband, and he is still very upset that she was not able to produce one. He constantly doubts her and always questions whenever she goes outside of their home or if she has any other react- interactions with other men. He usually beats and tortures her. Because she was unable to give him a son, he now splits his time with B and his first wife. He refuses to give her and the children money, and oftentimes they found themselves struggling to survive. She would receive government rations of rice, dal, and oil in order to feed her children and would work as a servant in homes to make ends meet. She became the sole provider of their household. B contemplated suicide many times as she felt hopeless in her marriage. But every time she thought about killing herself, images and memories of her daughters kept her from doing so. She knows that her husband could not care for them, and she has lots of love for her daughters. B does not want to be without her daughters, nor would she want to leave them. Around the last time of her suicide attempt, her daughters began, began attending Rescue Pink's after-school program, and she heard of the entrepreneurship program. She knew that this would be a great opportunity to provide for her family, to cut her dependence on the government, and for her to find her purpose again. B went through training and received a loan for seasonal drink mixes. During the summer and rainy season, she sells raisin, which is a powdered drink mix. She mixes it with water and is able to sell it in the local shops. During the winter season, she will sell chai in the shops as well. She likes having work and being able to take care of her daughters. She wishes her husband would support her business. Rescue Pink has taught her how to develop a business and how to save money in her daughter's name. Bargavi, a Rescue Pink coordinator, says that she was the happiest one at training, always singing, dancing, and laughing. It was the only time that she could be free outside of her home. B knows how great Rescue Pink is from the way that it has changed her life. She enjoys sending both Bargavi and Kumari and has noticed that they have gained weight from taking nutrition every day, and their studies have improved. Kumari likes to eat eggs, drink milk, and play with her friends. She enjoys learning her alphabet and numbers. B hopes to give her daughters a good education and that they will become teachers one day. She hopes to expand her business to be able to open her own shop. B is grateful for the opportunity given to her through Rescue Pink that has literally saved her life. Um, Actually, the little girls that are in your bulletin, that's the two little girls' story that I just told you. Um, I wanted to share this story to share the reality of what many women and children in India face. 
a staggering 60 million girls have gone missing in India. Many are killed at birth, trafficked, neglected, and abused. Some are even sold into bonded labor. Many girl and children and women have little value in their society. And as I learned when I was there, a bull is almost considered more worthy than a girl child will ever be. Girls hold little value to the family they are born into because they will leave the family they are born into to live with their in-laws, while sons will bring in a dowry that will relieve the family. Families often feel cursed having little girls. Many have financial problems and wonder how they will be able to provide for their children, which will lead to them killing their children at birth because they believe they are unable to um, provide what their children need. So why am I going back to India? I'm going back to work with this nonprofit, which aims to remind the women and children in India, to remind the women and children of India their value and worth. I have seen firsthand the struggles and injustices that these women and children faced, and it breaks my heart. Their stories break my heart. When I go back to India, I will do similar to what I did on the world race, but I will be going to four different centers this time. I was just in Angola last time, but I'll be able to experience the four um, different um, places that they have. Um, And they're even looking to expand more in the years to come. But uh, Rescue Pink offers three different programs. They have a after school program for little girls. Um, The primary language of uh, India is Hindu and English. And so when they come to the tutoring, we will help them with English. And then at the end of each session of tutoring and playing games and everything with the kids, um, they're provided a milk and egg. And this is, some children won't go home and have food to eat, so this may likely be the only food that they will have that day. Um, Another program they have, too, is for lactating mothers. Um, Some women will not eat food and give all of their food to their boy children so that their boy children will be healthy and be able to live a long life. And this has caused problems with uh, women not getting the nutrition they need and then when they have babies, not being able to give them the nutrition that they need. So all of these programs that Rescue Pink offers gives training to these women and will just let them know that like they need to put nutrition in their body so they can give that to their children. And then the last program they have is a entrepreneurship program, which allows women to start um, a business, which will then allow them to put money towards their kids going to school, towards food, or and then they're required to save a little bit for the dowry that is common in India. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of the dowry, but the dowry is given to the boy's family upon marriage, and that can often lead families in enslavement because they are unable to pay that, um, and so they will s- sell themselves to working for a farmer in the fields for so many years, and most families only make a dollar twenty-five um, a day from doing daily labor. So, um, so during my time in India, it is my desire to speak life, work, and God's love into the women and children that I interact with the best that I can. Um, I just want to say thank you for your guys' support for um, 
the world race and um, just your continued support as a church through your prayers and just in every single way um, is meant so much to me. Um, I have been home for around eight months now, so I am comfortable at home now. So it is a little scary to think about going back to India again. So if you could just keep me in your prayers for a transition, that would mean the world to me. Um, and just that um, God would give me the words to say to these women and to these children and just the ability to love them the best that I can. Um, so thank you so much for this opportunity to share about my trip. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, I mentioned we're going to talk about how we can support Shannon. And first of all, it's just what she said through prayer. That is far and away probably the most important thing we can do is be praying for her and lifting her up and and this ministry up in prayer and and what they're doing in India. Uh, If you're able to and would like to, we can also, I know she also is in need of your financial support. Uh, One of the things that Shannon did, and she probably wouldn't tell any of you this, is that uh, she went ahead and bought her plane ticket out of pocket um, as kind of a step of faith to uh, make this trip happen. Um, but there's other support she needs to to ensure the rest of the trip. Um, she's done a great job through fundraising and, and a lot of support, but there's still some need that's there. Um, and so we do have the blue jug out here. And so if you're able to and willing uh, to make a donation uh, after the service today, you can stop by. And, and that blue jug will actually be out for the next couple weeks as well, because we know not everybody, we might have caught you off guard this morning and you want to support her, but you don't have your checkbook. Um, that will be out for the next couple weeks. Any money that's donated there goes 100% to support Shannon and her trip. Um, so if you're able to, um, that would be a, a huge blessing to her. Um, as of this morning, she told, she gave me an update. She has about $600 left to raise is what she needs to fully support her trip. So anything and everything that you're able to give her to help make that happen, I know would be a huge blessing to her. So um, I would encourage you after the service um, to do that. If you do want to make out a check, just so you know, don't write it to Shannon. Uh, you can't tax deduct a check to her. Uh, but if you do make it out to either the church and we'll turn around and, and compile all those and write her a check or write the organization a check. Or if you want to write a check directly to Rescue Pink, um, you can do that as well. Um, and that will just be sent on there to support her and her trip. Um, so I want to encourage you all to do that. Um, Shannon's one of our own. We have a history at this church of supporting our, our pastors, our missionaries, and and with with this stage of life that Shannon's in, she's she's one of them. And so uh, I think it'll be a great thing for us to rally around her as a church and support her any way we can. Um, so let's do that first and foremost with prayer. Well, let's pray for Shannon and and lift up our other concerns this morning as well. Father, I thank you so much for Shannon and thank you for the the calling that you've placed on her life. Uh, thank you for all that she did through the world race and, and the impact that she had and the impact you had on her life through that experience. And, and now as she's preparing to go back in the mission field again and uh, looking forward to what you have in store for her in the coming years, we ask that you would prepare her heart and prepare her, her mind, Lord, for, for the, the mission that she has this fall. Uh, I pray that she is able to uh, be safe in India, you arrive there safely, and, and have an opportunity to really make an impact in these women's lives. And I thank you for all the work that Rescue Pink is doing. I, I do pray, Lord, that you give her wisdom and guidance. And, and Lord, we pray for her support. Uh, we pray that you would be able to... Um, provide for her in this way. You've provided for her in so many ways already. And, and just to see that $600 in that finish line there, Lord, is such a, a such a blessing. And I pray that you would, uh, through this church and through others, Lord, um, fully support this trip so that she is able to go and, and live out this calling you've placed on her life. 
Uh, Lord, we also pray for other concerns that are before us today. We know there's a lot of health concerns and, and I'm sure plenty of uh, a variety of other concerns that are out there, Lord, that are represented by the names in our concerns list and our bulletin. Uh, you know exactly what's needed. So we pray for healing. We pray for provision. We pray for uh, restored relationships. We pray for... Uh, the burdens and distractions that people are carrying in here, even this morning, Lord, um, that are known only to themselves and to you. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us rest and give give us provision, Lord, where it's needed, and that ultimately, Lord, uh, your will be done. Your will will be done uh, to, for your glory and for our good. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Shannon. This time I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward, and I'm so glad to have Eric and Jana and Kay blessing us with music this morning. Sometimes I'm up 
sometimes I'm down, coming for to carry me, carry me home. But still my soul feels heavenly bound, coming, yes, coming, it's coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry. Bible this morning. We are in the book of Acts. Um, There's one in front of you in the pew if you'd like to open that. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia and went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, We sailed on to Syria. We landed in Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued on our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, 
Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manassan, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. If you would rise, we'll sing at number 358, I am thine, O Lord.
again. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for, Lord, all the all that you are to us. Lord, we are so grateful for your mercy and your goodness. And Lord, we're especially grateful that you are with us even during difficult times. And it's that that we are going to be looking at today. And it's that for which we are grateful this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we continue our journey through the book of Acts, we see that Paul's third missionary journey is, is coming to a close in these passages. Uh, first of all, thank you, Connie, for reading all of those city names. I appreciate that. Um, I know that's been some of the difficult parts of these readings for the, our scripture readers. But So I appreciate all of that you guys have been doing for that. But we see Paul, he's beginning to tie up loose ends. We saw his farewell address to the Ephesians two weeks ago. Uh, we... We are seeing now him kind of wrapping around and he's heading back towards Jerusalem. We saw in chapter 20, he was mentioned he was felt compelled by the Spirit to go there. And he was, so he was turning his sights back to Jerusalem. And it's in this decision that Paul was making a very difficult choice. See, returning to Jerusalem for him meant that he was possibly facing persecution, arrest, and maybe even his own death. And yet he still felt compelled by the Spirit to go and head in that direction. It was a tough decision, though. He could either follow God's leading and potentially suffer for the cause of Christ or take the easy way out. He didn't have to go to Jerusalem. He could have just kept doing what he was doing. He could have stayed out in the mission field and he could have continue to plant churches and spread the word of God. Yeah, he was facing difficult times there. We've seen that. But but heading to Jerusalem was almost a sure bet for him that he was going to be facing potentially the end of his ministry. And so he could have made the decision to stay where he was and to not face that. Yet he turned his face towards Jerusalem and headed in that direction. See, it's such an interesting, this is such an interesting passage because we have been conditioned to not make that hard choice. We've been conditioned uh, to make the easy way out so many times. Take the path of least resistance. Don't, don't put yourself out there and get hurt. If you've ever seen a riverbed from, from like an aerial view, you notice a river never makes a straight line from one point to another, does it? A river wanders and meanders and, and twists and turns because the water flow always takes the path of least resistance. That's how rivers end up the way they are. And so if you were to look at a river from above, you would see the the meandering uh, path that the water takes. And in many ways, our lives are like the same. We waver back and forth between choices. We, We always go for the path of least resistance. That's what we've been conditioned to do. Especially for people pleasers. It's a very difficult thing. We always want to to do what everybody else wants us to do. We want to go along the path of least resistance. And then I think of people like Shannon, who we got to hear from today, taking that, that step out of her comfort zone to once again step out into the mission field. What a blessing and what a, what a hard decision that was to make for her, I'm sure. There's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of excitement there, but there's a lot of uncertainty. Raising money, and the, the, not to mention just leaving her family and going to be in a foreign country for a few months. But yet she is making that hard decision as well. And so what I want to talk about briefly today is, is, is look at why Paul makes that choice. You know, we know he, he sets his face to Jerusalem, and we'll be talking in the coming weeks the outcome of that decision. 
He's determined to go there, even if it goes against the pleas of his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that kind of decision must take courage and must take faith. And I think there's three things that we can glean from this passage as well as what we know of Paul's life. And it can help us to make the hard choice when we're in that situation as well. The first thing is that we notice here is that Paul knew that it was God's will for him to go in that direction. See, one of the biggest lies that we face today is this, this idea that we believe that God just wants us to be happy. You're never going to find that, that in all of Scripture, that promise. God just wants you to be happy. We'll never see that. That's right up there with a lie like, God will never give you more than you can handle. Or cleanliness is next to godliness. Although there's some practical value in that last one, I suppose. But you're not going to see those promises in Scripture, but yet we hold on to them like they're there. God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to enjoy life. But the problem is that happiness is circumstantial. Your happiness is going to come and go depending on what you're going through in life and what you're experiencing. And you may be happy one day and not happy the next because of that. But there's something that's even greater than happiness, something that's even beyond that, that that will last no matter what circumstances we go through, and that is joy. See, joy is eternal, and it's internal. It's something that that cannot be taken away from you based on your circumstances. You can be going through the most difficult moments of life, be facing the most difficult trials you'll ever face, and still have joy because it's something that the Holy Spirit works in you, and it works in your heart and in your mind, even in spite of circumstances. You see, I believe there's no better place to experience true joy than, than to be in the, right in the very center of God's will. That's when you're, where you'll experience true joy. That's where you'll find that contentment that we're so often looking for. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul encourages them to offer their bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. And he says, when you do that, when you, when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, that's your true and proper act of worship. And then you'll be able to know what God's will is, his, his good, his perfect and pleasing will. I've said this before, the problem with living sacrifices is they tend to keep crawling off the altar, right? We need to, they tend to keep crawling off, and we do the same in our lives. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. We offer our lives to him, and yet we keep taking ourselves off the altar. We keep making the decision for ourselves to live the way we want instead of the way God wants. And so it requires constant and intentional decision to follow Christ in submission and in obedience. But knowing God's will is more than just behavior modification. It's not about just having a checklist of of items that you either do or you don't do. And you try your best to fill out that list according to God's what we read in God's word. No, God's will is more than that. Following God's will involves having a relationship with Him. And, and like in any other relationship, whether it's a friendship or a marriage, that good relationship will, that relationship will be strengthened when you choose to put the other person before yourself. When you choose to step aside and, and seek out their desires and seek out what they need and what they want. For example... Housework is not my favorite thing in the world to do, right? I don't think it's anybody's favorite thing in the world to do. But I don't, you know, don't do the dishes. I don't vacuum. I don't, I don't do laundry and full laundry because I enjoy it. It's because I know that it's something that Allie appreciates and, and it's something that, um, she doesn't have to do for me, right? And it's, I know that she appreciates not having to clean up after me when I make a mess. 
And and so so my desire is not just to do those things for the sake of doing them, but it's to do it so that it it pleases Allie and, and, and can strengthen our relationship in that way. And our relationship with God is similar. Tori last week talked about the importance of priorities, putting God first. And that's what it means to follow God's will and to seek out his will is to put him first in everything we do. And, and not just, to, like I said, to check boxes on a list, but to do it because it pleases him. Do it because we desire to know him and have that relationship with him and strengthen that. And following his will then will we'll do it. We'll, we'll, following his will is what it means to have that relationship with him. There's three ways we see here in these passages that God reveals his will to Paul. First is internally. In the previous chapter, we saw that Paul admits that he felt compelled to go. There was something inside of him that he just knew it was the right thing to do. We see in this passage that that, that feeling and that, that, that impulse was confirmed by his brothers and sisters in Christ. They also confirmed with him that it was important for him to go there. They tried to dissuade him from it, but yet they confirmed it was what he needed to do. And finally, we, we see that, that God's will is confirmed through God's word. In this case, a prophet comes and, and proclaims God's word to Paul. Uh, nowadays, we don't necessarily have prophets walking around, but we have God's word in its written form right here. And it's through his word that he leads us and guides us into his will. So Paul knew it was God's will to go there, but he also was able to make that decision because he knew that Jesus had already made the hard choice for him. You see, we follow a Savior who suffered for our sake. So should it surprise us when he asks us to, to suffer at times in turn? And this, this whole idea destroys that idea of the prosperity gospel. That whole idea that God just wants you to be happy and that, and that following God will lead to material blessing and, and all that, that entails, health, wealth, and all of that stuff. See, the problem with that is is the example of Paul and others throughout Christian history who have been faithful to God's will and faithful to his word. And there's probably some of you sitting in this room today or listening on the radio that have experienced this. You've, you've sought after God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and yet you don't have much to show for it from a material or earthly perspective. But God never promises to bless us in that way. Look at Jesus. He set the example for, that, for us. And then he encouraged us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. If following God's will and being obedient to him leads to material and earthly blessing and an easy life, then Jesus would have been the prime example because he was the only one who was sinless and the only one who perfectly followed God's will to a T. And yet he found himself on a cross. But more than just set an example for us, he did it for us. He, he, he died on the cross for us. He made that hard choice and set us free from our sin. You see, He enables us to make the hard choice. He enables us to follow His will even when it's hard because He did it for us. He went before us and, and not only set an example to follow, but He set us free from our sins so that we are now able to even follow God in the first place. While we were lost in our sin, we were, we were unable and unwilling to follow God, but he has set us free and now we are able to do that. And you see, Jesus doesn't take away our pain. He doesn't take away the hardship. He doesn't take away the temptations we face. See, that was the very, that was the great temptation at the beginning of Jesus' ministry was to, to take the easy way out. In the wilderness, 
the enemy tempted him and said, just bow down and worship me and I'll give it all to you. You don't have to go face the cross. You don't have to do all of that. I'll give you the easy option. But Jesus refused. And even at the end of his life, as he was hanging on the cross, the religious leaders and others were mocking him and said, if you're the Son of God, just save yourself. Take yourself down from that cross. Take the easy way out. But Jesus didn't. He refused. He embraced God's will for him, even though it meant his death on the cross, because it's what needed to be done. And we learn that God's grace is sufficient for us. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul goes on to talk about this thorn in his flesh, this messenger from Satan that is tormenting him, and he pleaded that God would take it away. And three times he prayed and pleaded with God, but, but it never was removed. But the response he did get was from the Lord, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God won't necessarily take away our suffering, but he will provide what we need to get through it. Through his presence, through his Holy Spirit, he will supply what we need in order to faithfully endure it. And finally, we see, first we saw that, G, that Paul was able to make the hard choice because he knew what God's will was. We saw that Jesus already made the hard choice for us. And finally, we see that, that we can make the hard choice too because if our focus is on the greater glory that's ahead of us. See, the joy and the hope of eternal life is in store for all of God's people. But we're often too preoccupied with the temporary. To, we're too distracted to notice. You see, our desires aren't bad, but they're just misdirected. Our desires are good, but, but instead of pointing us to God like they should, we off, we're, we're heading in a million different directions instead. And so we need to reorient ourselves, and that only happens through the Spirit working in us, and to, to reorient ourselves towards heaven and towards, towards God and seeking Him out. It's like when, when I was growing up, my mom loved to bake cookies. Right? I'm sure there's plenty of you out there that are like this as well. Uh, and I always had a, a soft spot for these cookies, and I still do today. It's right about here. Um, and the problem was that I, I just loved eating mom's homemade cookies. They'd always be sitting on the counter. She never put them away, right? She would just leave them sitting out on the counter for us to just walk by and grab one or two. Then when she comes to visit, she still brings us homemade cookies and they never, she, she brings us more than we need and she says, you can just freeze them. They don't end up in the freezer, right? They, we, we just eat them because in my, my, my vision is too temporary. I see those cookies and the immediate gratification of enjoying one of those is just too great to pass up. Instead of looking out into the future and knowing that eating a dozen cookies at one time is not a good idea, right? Our vision is too short. We need to have a bigger perspective. We need to see the bigger picture. And that's what God does for us. Our true joy and contentment is found in Christ. And we can experience that in part now, but it comes in completion when His kingdom comes. And it's that hope, it's that vision, it's that promise that gives us the strength to follow God's will today, even though it's not the easiest thing to do. So in closing, I want to read to you what that vision is, what that hope is from Revelation chapter 21. And as I'm reading this, I want you to think about what it would like, be like to experience this. What it would be like to truly be in God's presence and, and, and know joy in this way like none other. 
And allow that to, to be your guide, be your vision, as you may be, have to make difficult decisions in your life. The Apostle John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, I am making everything Excuse me, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and I will dwell with them. They will be my people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the hope you give us in Christ. And I pray that our hearts and our minds will be set on that, Lord. That will give us the joy and the contentment and the strength we need to face whatever challenges we may face in this life. And may we, may we obey you, may we follow your will at all costs, Lord, in order to bring you glory. And to Christ we pray. Amen. In closing, let's stand and let's sing the first verse of number 444, I'll go where you want me to go. reminder, the blue jug is up front if you're able or willing to support Shannon and her trip. I encourage you to do that this day. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace. Mm-hmm.